There is a story about a teenage girl who got pregnant. Uh, Then she has to decide what to do. So she examines abortion, and she decides that's not the thing for her. And she lives with her father and her stepmother in a semi-middle class, not overly wonderful neighborhood. And she decides to have the baby and to give it up for adoption. So she meets this couple who uh, might just adopt. And then she finds out that this couple, well, they're having some kind of relationship struggles. So the relationship with the guy that wasn't really her boyfriend is kind of a disaster. And her parents, we don't know much about them, but their relationship is kind of a disaster. And then the couple who might be adopting her baby, their marriage Well, it's showing up to be kind of a disaster too. And this all leads to a very tender conversation with her dad. And in that conversation, this girl, Juno, she asks her dad a question that is, it's honestly a great question and, you know, a good question anyways, maybe a better question from her context. But this is a question that I think that every single adult from like college age on up asks or probably will ask. You might not say it in exactly the same way, But I think that this question is on the surface of our culture and that it comes up regularly. Her question goes like this. I guess I wonder sometimes if people stay together for good, like people in love. Dad, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. Dad, I'm looking around and I'm not quite sure what to believe. Dad, I look at you and it didn't work for you. And I'm looking around at these people who might just be adopting my baby, and it, well, it doesn't seem like it's going to work for them. So I'm just wondering, am I, am I kidding myself? Am I shooting for something that nobody actually ever reaches? Is it even possible? Does that sound like a question that you might ask once, twice, frequently? I think it's such a fascinating question because regardless of what you have seen and um, what, what you have probably seen and experienced and, uh, relationally, and that would lead you to say, you know what, I don't know if it's possible. All the evidence says I don't know. But in spite of your current state of lack of marriage or in spite of your state of your current marriage or in spite of what happened in your previous marriage, in spite of what you saw happen in your parents' marriage, in spite of what you have seen in culture, in spite of a a spiking divorce rate, in spite of all the examples that lead us to, to believe that it's impossible, in spite of all that, there is something in you, there's something that's in me that would still say, it's possible. And not only do we think that it's possible, you think and I think that it's possible for us. We think it's possible in spite of how bad things have been around you. You still hold on to a hope that I'm going to be in that type of a relationship. I will find that love. I will stay in that love. We are going to go down spooning on the sinking Titanic still in love. And I think that that might just be a little bit of the image of God in you. So your answer to the question is yes, I think that's possible. But you know what? 
Even though I think that it's possible, I don't really believe that it's probable. Maybe. Maybe not. Now, to keep going, we need to talk about falling in love. And falling in love, you know, that's going to take us about 10 seconds, all right? Because the only requirement for falling in love really is a pulse. Um, Some of you are in love with people that you have never met, all right? You've seen them, you've heard them, you've never met them. Your favorite YouTuber or uh, singer, movie star or TV star, you know, the one with the magnificent hair. What, what's his name again? Oh, I love him. Did you know that in North America, there are about 1,500, 1,500 organizations and companies that if you give them your money and you give them a profile, they will connect you to people with a similar profile. We have some champions of that system in this very room. Well done. You have done it. <laughs> people, they have tried out this system. And they have been connected. It has never been easier to fall in love. It has never been easier to connect with a broader group of people through media, through social networking. It's never been easier. While at the same time, it's never been more difficult to stay in love. To stick together. Our eyes just keep searching for the one, right? We don't want to just be in a relationship, although for some of us, maybe, well, that would be a pretty good start. I just want to be in a relationship. But you don't want to just survive the years. You want to thrive. You want to be in love. But there are some cultural problems with that. The truth is that very few people have had a ringside seat to a healthy, lifelong, romantic relationship. And that means the models that we have seen And the rules that govern those relationships, no matter how wrong they were, tend to be the ones that we adopt moving forward. And here's one of those rules that many of us grew up with. Do unto others as they deserve to be done unto. Do unto others as they do unto you. Do unto others what your mood would have. Do unto others so as to get them to see things the way that you want. Do unto others until you wear them down enough to do what you want. Do unto others until you're ready to leave. And we know from watching, we know from watching uh, your neighbors, your cousins, your uncle, your friends, parents, and maybe, maybe even your parents. People that stayed together, but they did not stay in love. And what they have, you don't want that. They're they're just surviving. They're not thriving. So consequently, we grow up ill-equipped for healthy relationships. And healthy relationships are like a a mythical beast hidden in the the deep jungle of civilization, glimpsed only fleetingly with a long-range camera. But we still think that it's possible, and we still think that it's possible for us. The other thing that makes it uh, difficult growing up is not just what we've seen, It's what we felt growing up. Imagine if a bunch of smart men and smart women got together and they made a list of what it takes um, to, to help children grow up in a very nurturing environment, to successfully proceed through adolescence and to engage in a healthy relationship in their future. You don't have to imagine they actually did this. What does it take to be emotionally engaged in a long-term relationship? Here's all that it takes. 
You need to grow up in a home where you receive massive doses, steady, consistent, ongoing doses of respect, encouragement, comfort, security. Everybody's there. Nobody's leaving. Support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. Is that the family you grew up in? If that's what it takes over a long period of time for us to feel, to, to, to equip us to engage in long-term relationships as an adult, if that's what we needed to feel over a long portion of our life, what are the odds that we will ever be able to maintain a forever, happily ever after? And that's just you. We meet people all the time who didn't come from the ideal home scenario. How can we partner with one of them and expect to happily ever after. Consequently, we come into adulthood looking, no, searching, seeking for someone for whom they, we, they can give us the respect, encouragement, comfort, security, always there, nobody's leaving, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. And then we fall in love because we have a pulse, because we've got hormones but now you're both looking at each other and you're wondering, are you going to be the one to give me what I need? And I need respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, approval, acceptance, appreciation, attention, and affection. Or are you just cute? And as life moves on, what started out as a hug around the neck becomes a stranglehold that demands, give me respect, encouragement, Comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. I've got to have it. You've got to give it to me. I need it from you. I came into this relationship with a deficit. I've been suffering from emotional malnutrition my entire life. If you don't give it, I will encourage it out of you. Even if that encouragement becomes, I will strangle it out of you, just like the end of the toothpaste tube. I know there's just a little bit more in there. I can get it out. And oddly enough, when I do that, I don't think that you're quite so cute anymore. And somehow all of the magic that, that we couldn't get enough of each other at the beginning, it begins to go away. But hold on. It gets worse. Did you know that 40% of the children in this country will be born into homes where there is no dad? That's almost 40% where there is no stable male influence. This is not questioning the power of love or the ability of a single mom. We're just looking at what it takes. Remember that long list. These are the things that they have said to prepare us in massive doses throughout our childhood so that we can be prepared to be emotionally engaged in a long-term relationship. I'm just pointing out the struggle. This is not about fault or, or, or guilt or blame or shame or condemnation. It's just about reality. This is the world that we live in. We come pre-wired to fall in love, but most of us did not come equipped to stay in love. Next problem, our culture has a really low threshold of pain. That means it doesn't have to actually hurt all that much, but it's still enough to convince us that it's time to get out. Gone are the days where I said I do and I will do whether I like it or not. The message that we get every day from basically every direction, a thousand times a day around, all around us, is that if, if you're not happy in your current relationship, it's because you're with the wrong person. 
Switch the person. Find happiness. Don't be sticky. Be switchy. You chose poorly. You need to re-choose. You need to reboot, reset, reload, start over. Just keep looking. Your soulmate is there waiting for you. And eventually it will all happen for you because all it takes is meeting the right person. But if you talk to couples who've been uh, married for 20 years or more and they're still in love, you talk to them about this approach and they have a different perspective. They're going to say, well, there were certainly times in the last 20 years that I wondered if I was with the right person. But I decided that the person I chose was going to be the right person. And we're so glad that we took the time to work through these difficulties. Because choosing the right person is part of it. But learning to be and to become the right person is the other part. And that's the part that our culture gives, gives us very little help with. Now, into all of that chaos, uh, all that chaos that we can relate to, because we're all somewhat battered, we're all a little bit dinged up by life, into that chaos and confusion, Jesus speaks. 2,000 years ago, he's with his guys, his friends, his buddies, and he lays out, he provides us the secret to enduring love relationships. He gave us the stick in sticky love. Hold on, that's not right. Uh, it's not a beat stick. That's not the right kind. It's the wrong kind of stick. He put the sticky in sticky love. And it's simple. It's counterintuitive. And it's so not a part of the way that we normally think. It's rare. It's accessible. It's right out there in the open in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. You probably have even heard this before. He says, a new command I give you. And we say, oh, great, another command. We already had the Ten Commandments. And then on top of that, there's close to 700 other commandments in the Old Testament that were there to support the Ten Commandments. But yay, Jesus has got a new one. I'm not even going to be sure that it really sounds all that new. The Greek word for new here can be translated as, as extraordinary. It can also be translated as uh, recently discovered uh, or, or remarkable. And here's the command. You've probably heard it. Love one another. Is that it? Is that all you got? Man, Graham, you should have studied a little harder this week. Talking about mailing it in. Love one another. But listen to what Jesus does here, okay? Because it will slip by you if you're not careful. Jesus takes a word that they usually use and we usually use as a noun, and he makes it a verb. It's an imperative. It's a command. I want you to go and love. And I know that you're used to thinking about love as something that you fall into like a pool, or you fall out of like a high chair. And those similes are common. They make love a noun. But because I'm giving you a command, I'm making it a verb. How? I want you to Love one another. So this is, this is awkward marriage counseling advice, okay? As a, at a marriage counselor, you normally hear people say like, oh, she says, oh, she does this. Ugh. Oh, but she does that. Ugh. Oh, but he's always doing. And Jesus would say, are you loving her? Are you loving him? Well, you know what? I used to, but recently and now it's an, no, no, no. You don't used to, that's a noun. You don't used to verb, 
are you loving her verb? So he says, I'm going I'm to help you fix your relationship. I want you to go home and then love each other. Verb. But we don't love each other. That's why we're here, right? But that love is a noun. I meant the verb. You meant that you're not feeling it anymore. So I want to help you feel it. So do it. And then you will feel it. Pleasure says that you should always have that feeling at the beginning. But the feeling went away. So we're going to try and put the feeling back. Everyone around us tells us that the, the way to get the feeling back, the way that that happens, is to meet somebody new. When was the last time you felt like you were in love? You remember that? Right when I fell in love. So that's what I need to do again. No effort. No verb. Just fall. Just fall in love, right? And then I get the feeling back, and the feeling is what I want. And Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not how it works. Here's how it works. If you want to maintain it, if you, if you want to foster it, if you want to fan that flame, then no more treating love like a noun. Treat it like a verb. Love one another. Okay, this is just the beginning, all right? This is not the end. All of the next three sessions are, are, are going to join together like a, like a transformer, okay? We're going to make a giant love transformer. That's what we're trying to build. But the foundation of love is to make love a verb. Foundation of love is to make love a verb. You like how it, uh, The goal is to recapture those first feelings. In a relationship, the feeling is the caboose of the relationship. Love is the engine. Jesus is saying that he wants us to learn how to actively love one another. Love is something you do. And this is this is complicated stuff, okay? I know it's messy in real life. And so I'm not boiling it down to just this. Remember, this is just the beginning. But together, actively deciding to love rekindles love, and then you can feel that. But love one another is not the end. Maybe the next part here is what the new was actually referring to in that command. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. I don't want you to take your cue from culture. I don't want you to take your cue from your parents. You know what? They've got their own issues. They've got their own personalities. What does it mean to love like a verb? Take your cues from Jesus. If you allow him, he will teach you how to love. He will teach you how to stick together, how to stay together. After Jesus, years later, along comes the Apostle Paul, and he, and he takes the same idea, and, and, he, and he words it in a different way. He uses a word that people don't like. He uses a word that people reject. He uses a word that has gotten Christians into a lot of trouble over the years, but it was so unnecessary. This word has a lot of baggage in our world, and no small amount of fear. The Apostle Paul takes the very same idea that Jesus was saying, and he uses a different word, and that different word for love sticks a little harder. You can find it in Ephesians 5, verse 21, and he starts right off with the offensive word. So if you find it offensive, I apologize. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When you do this, do it out of reverence for Christ. Do this because you are intentionally honoring Jesus. It means the same thing as love one another. It just highlights that love in a different way. 
And right after this section, Paul, um, he goes on to talk about the relationships between men and women. His immediate application of love one another, submit to one another, is how to be together, how to stay together. And the bottom line and the, the, the essence, the sweet spot, the starting point for all couples is to stay together is drum roll, please, mutual submission. Mutual submission. In our relationships, you are the priority. No, 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 you are the priority. No, 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 you are the priority. And if you can live like that, that's a great place to be. And it's a powerful reality because it is scary. Somebody has to go first. Somebody has to say, I will do this. Even if you don't make me the priority, I'm going to make you the priority. And when two people get that going on, fear not. Love is alive in that place. And when you see it through, when you, when you watch that, when, you, when it happens around you, when you see that, we all want that. When you're in the, on the drive home after visiting people who are like that, you say, I want that. What they have, I want. Love as a verb, one another. And submit to one another. Submit means to place yourself. No one else puts you there. You choose this. You instigate this. You place yourself under the other person. My goal is to build them up. My goal is to encourage them. My goal is to lift them up. My goal is to help them win. This has nothing to do with birth order or financial status, or, or gender differences, or caste system, or value appraisal. This is not a dehumanizing role. This is a way to become all that God would call you to be. This is a path to emulate the lifestyle of our Savior. Nothing to do with you surrendering your personhood or becoming a slave. We are slaves to righteousness, and we are slaves to Christ, but we are never slaves to each other. It's a choice that you make. It's a decision that you decide. And I know it's hard to imagine because where have you ever seen it? Where have you ever seen an example of this working out around you? But think about this. You already know how to be in a bad relationship, right? You already have experience of pain in a relationship. You already have experience of hardness in a relationship. You know what pain is like in a relationship. You know what it's like and you know how to do it. But you want something different than all that. Why not try the way that Jesus taught and modeled for us? Why not trust Jesus in your relationships? Why not display faith in Jesus by living like him? Why not trust Jesus to lay the foundation for you to stick together, and to stay in love. Not simply staying married, staying in love. Jesus says, love one another. Caveat, as I have loved you. You got to pay attention to that. That's important. Submit to one another. But there's more than that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, I want you to learn how to love. I want you to begin to submit, and I want you to take the cues on how to do it from Jesus. One of the best things over time about being a pastor has got to be the stories. 
to watch someone who has grown up in a home that I would consider to be highly dysfunctional. And this person or these people, they become Christians. They begin to actively, consciously follow Jesus. And they place their faith in Jesus, not in theory, but in fact. They surrender their wills to God. They learn to say and they learn to pray, God, I want what you want for me more than what I want for me. And I'm going to trust you. And they learn to accept and adopt Jesus' way of thinking about love. They learn to experience and to share the love of Christ. Halting steps at first. Uncertain, but determined to get this right. And they experience the forgiveness of Christ. And they have a complete mental shift in terms of what it means to love and even what it means to accept love. And they begin to see themselves in a completely different way. Their views and their mind is being transformed as it is being informed by the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all that stuff, that whole long list that I gave you at the beginning, all that stuff that they didn't get from their mom and dad necessarily, all that stuff they didn't get from their grandparents, they begin to be healed. And as they begin to understand that God accepts them and God has compassion for them and God gives them security and they begin to change on the inside. And then they meet someone who is on the same path and they come together and with all of their junk in their background, but with a completely different way of viewing relationships than their previous generations. And then they get married. And their marriage in no way reflects the baggage that you would expect to see in that marriage. And you say, wow, how did this happen? The odds are that you guys wouldn't last three years, let alone 10, 15, 20 years. The odds are that with everything in your background and, and, and what you saw modeled and, and what was done to you, what was taken away from you emotionally, the odds of your marriage surviving this divorce-friendly country are like zero. And then you scratch beneath the surface a little bit, and they tell you that they learned to love each other, but not the way that they had seen modeled. We've learned to love each other the way that we understand that Jesus loves us. And even though the odds were against us, the, the odds are still against us, but we are taking our cues from our Heavenly Father who illustrated love in the most amazing way. He gave His Son to die, to be our Savior, learning to submit to one another. We take our submission cues from our Savior who submitted to us. He submitted to us and gave up his life on our behalf. We are not just married. We're not just together. We are genuinely in love. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love? Absolutely. But it doesn't happen because uh, when you fell in love in a big, powerful way at the early part of your relationship. You stay in love by making love, a verb. By loving one another and taking your cue from the one who loves you the most. You fall in love, and who you choose is important. 
but you stick when you mutually submit to one another. Every single day you decide. You don't get to make the decision once. You have to make it again and again. And that's the foundation. That's the beginning. So don't walk away from today saying, well, that's enough. We got the whole thing there. We're just getting started. Next week, we're going to talk about specifically what it means to love one another. Uh, What does it mean to submit to one another? That's the place that we're afraid of. So we're going to start next week by doing a little bit of remodeling. That's the plan. Heavenly Father, thanks for demonstrating your love for us in such an enormous way by sending us your Son. Please continue to teach me. Please continue to teach us what it means to take our cues from you. For those today who are just hanging on by a thread, would you please honor their faith and honor their desire to make it work even when it seems that all is lost? Please give us all the wisdom to know what to do with what we have just heard. Some of us are married. Some of us are interested in marriage. Some of us used to be married. Some of of us have been burned in marriage. Help us each to love like Jesus. To be healed by the love of Jesus that we might freely share again with those around us. May your love for us penetrate our hearts and then revolutionize our living. May our relationships and marriages reflect what you had in mind when you created love in the beginning. We know that we can't do this without you. So please intervene on our behalf as we try to figure this out. In Jesus' name, amen. The love that God has for you starts with what the love of God has for you. Not what you do for it. He just loves you. He wants you to know that. And when that comes true in you, then it's so much easier to have love for those around you. And your relationships, married or unmarried, it's the, the, the love that is possible becomes so much greater. You are loved, and that empowers you to love well. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And I'm convinced that the more we connect, the better it gets. As you go today, I want to remind you that you're not just walking out. We're going to send you. We're we're dismissing you to go for a purpose. Because we're on mission. I want you to remember that, that we are, we are Christ-focused, we are spirit-empowered, and we are mission-focused, and the mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. That's what you're about. Uh, I just want to remind you of a couple things that we have coming up on the 23rd, that's next Sunday night, we will be hosting the uh, Stouffville Multi-Church Prayer Meeting to Pray for the Town. 